Three, two, one. I think it's time that we start the conversation to silence the shame. Silence the shame. Silence, silence the shame. Silence is the difference between treatment or pain, life or death. Silence the shame. Speak up now and silence. 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 Silence the shame. What's up, everybody? Whew, it's been a long, long time since we have talked to you guys. We apologize, but we were getting some things, you know, together within our organization. And then this pandemic happened and we all had to stay inside and had to learn how to live in our now normal, as I like to say, or new normal. Mm -hmm. Um, It really is a new normal for so many of us. And that's why we're doing this episode today. So welcome to episode 34 of the Silence to Shame podcast, Coping with New Normals. I am Shanti Das, your host, and I have my co-host, Free the Vision in the building. How are you, Free? I'm all right, Shanta. How you doing? Maintaining, brother. Maintaining. Yeah. Thank I can see that. That's how I feel. To you and Cameron and the rest of the team and Vaughn, you know, we're able to continue to do this work, um, which is so important. So we're grateful. Um, and speaking of Vaughn, um, I want to introduce, uh, he's sometimes our resident clinician for South <laughs> <laughs> He's a part of our skill-based volunteers. So let's welcome Vaughn Gay to the show. How are you, Vaughn? Thank you, thank you, Shanti. We uh, we're here. That's the that's the phrase a lot of people have been using, you know, in this whole pandemic. You know, we're here, we're still here, and um, you know, making sure we're adjusting and taking care of ourselves and and maintaining some some type of wellness and sanity, you know, within these new lives that we have. So I appreciate you having me here tonight. Oh, it's it's an honor and a pleasure, and I'm so excited about our guest for tonight. <laughs> we probably had the pleasure of meeting, I don't know, two or three years ago now, probably three years ago at least. Yeah. D.L. set it up at the pop it up. He did. Shout out to D.L. Warfield, who is an artist, uh, super creative gentleman that I worked with at LaFace Records. But yeah, we broke bread at Papados some years back. And uh, you were on one of our Silence to Shame panels that we did at Georgia Tech in Atlanta, Georgia, a couple years ago. So let's welcome to the show, give a warm Silence to Shame applause (laughs) for Muhammad Masakwa. What's going on? What's up? What's up? What's up? Pleasure to be here with y'all. Everybody, what's going on, bro? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How you and your family doing? Man, we good. We only leave to go on dog walks in the grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best way to be. That is the best way to be. Well, we appreciate you, and shout out to your beautiful family for allowing you to take some time out to share and talk to us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We'll, we'll get right into it. Um, tell us, Muhammad, can you can you tell us what your career was like in college um, and then going on to play in the NFL? What was that like for you? So kind of give you like some background information. Um, I'm first generation born American. Like my family's from Liberia. So just okay. the fact of like getting a scholarship and being able to play pro wasn't even something that, you know, my folks envisioned. They uh, left Liberia to escape a civil war. And it was really just about survival and, you know, to have opportunities, just the gratitude, you know, the sacrifices that my folks made. Um, so it was really just, you know, really appreciative, you know, cause it could have went completely different, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it was, it, it was kind of surreal, honestly, not just the fact of making it, but making it, you know, with the, the, the foundation that I came from. Mm-hmm. And you played for uh, Georgia, University of Georgia? In college? Yeah, UGA, best best school in America. 
Those dogs. <laughs> and and you, you know what, Shanti? This is this is a UGA legend too. I grew up watching uh Muhammad and Reggie Brown, those guys out there ball out when I was in high school. So this is a big time legend right there. I, oh, love, I already know I'm in the presence of royalty right here. So <laughs> nah, nah, I'm with you. So hey, I'm having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> and so take us through, you know, when you got drafted in the NFL and then um, you know, let's talk about um what happened a few years ago. Yeah, so um, I got drafted in the second round by Cleveland. Um, you know, phenomenal organization, phenomenal fan base. Uh, played up there for four years, spent the year in Jacksonville. Um, and my career kind of got sh cut short due to concussions. Um, so that was something that was like, dang, you know, you work super hard to get yeah. to the, like, the pinnacle of whatever your sport is, whatever your occupation is. And so that was somewhat frustrating. Uh, and then when you leave there, you kind of go on this journey of, okay, what's next? You're at the highest of highs, mm -hmm. and then you're trying to transition into something else and figure out which uh, is going to drive that same type of passion, that same type of energy. And went to, you know, do a couple of things, never really found what that thing was. And, you know, God works in mysterious ways. I was out on a ride with some of my friends that um, just enjoying the day. Uh, and ended up getting in an ATV accident where I lost my left hand as a result of it. And so you sit and you, you it's not the way that you would design it by, by no means, but when you actually have to sit still and find yourself, like your true self, uh, it gives you a lot of clarity as to, okay, this is what I want to spend the however much long God gives me on this earth doing. Uh, and that's not without, you know, struggles and the, the stuff that people, you know, try to shy away from you got to go through it to, to like really find who you are and, and what you ultimately become no doubt no doubt well that takes us into our first question um did you experience any emotional health challenges after you faced that injury and what was your process of coming out of it you know what's crazy is like every range of emotion that you could think of depression anxiety not being able to sleep if you are sleeping you have night sweats mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um you 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 just feel off and you know especially as men black men we, we tend to ignore it uh or you try to just muscle your way through yep. and i didn't realize that like some of the emotions that i had after the injury i had experienced them in other forms in life i just didn't know what they were just mm -hmm. you know you're playing in a league you at college you having success like you're not really supposed to be stressed so you think and mm -hmm. so it was kind of a wake-up call to me that you know, you got to address this stuff because I couldn't really solve it on my own. I couldn't smile it away. I couldn't sleep it away. I couldn't talk it away. Um, so I actually went to go get therapy and just a lot of the work wasn't even addressing the hand. It was just addressing stuff and traumas from life that mm -hmm. I existed. And so, you know, people are like, you know, how'd you cope with your hand? And I'm like, that was something in itself. But let me, like, I had to cope with life for real, for real. Um, and now I'm at a place to where, you know, there's so much more clarity, there's so much more peace and joy, just because I, I feel like I'm like, I know who I am, and I'm very comfortable in that. Vaughn, you want to add anything to that from a clinical perspective? And then Free, I know you had a question. 
you know, I just found it really interesting how he was saying this one incident was such a major turning point for his life. So not only was he able to start finding some some value in, in a new vision, right, for the next stage of his life, but it also brought to a point to where he had to go to therapy. You know, he was saying that he was dealing with, you know, it wasn't the hand that he was dealing with. He was dealing with him as a person mm-hmm. and going back and peeling back a lot of those different traumas. And so a lot of times when you experience some trauma, like right in the moment and you start to go get some, some clinical treatment, you really start to understand saying there are a lot of things about yourself that you may have just kind of tucked away and have have really suppressed and when they kind of come out you know in a clinical setting it can really be very refreshing for you and it can help you to develop a level of resilience to be able to deal with the presenting issue that brought you to therapy in the first place so I really commend you for that you know really kind of seeing that that treatment process through because on the on the back end you know you kind of came out of that you know you hopefully you came out of a stronger person both mentally and emotionally. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't think most people know who they are. Like, you know, I, I think that you just either can hide behind talent or you hide behind whatever you think you're supposed to be. And your true self going to want to come out. So you're going to be frustrated and you're just going to be beating your head against the wall until like you really dive into like, okay, this is who I am. This I'm comfortable in there and I'm going to move through life as this person, not a shell of myself, but like my true authentic self. Yeah. And I, I didn't realize that just because, you know, everything else was going well in life that I never even had to take the time out to even try to figure out that that was a, something I needed to deal with. That's right. Um, I wanted to ask about like um, maybe some of the feelings of hopelessness people might face when um, they're put through <clears throat> life altering experience. Um, and like, can you speak to that experience of like, you know, like you said, you were kind of looking for yourself and you um, were getting to a point where, you know, trying to figure that out, but it took that, that experience to kind of help you define that. But can you speak maybe to some of the space of hopelessness and how did you get to understanding that that's, this is the path that you wanted to take for the rest of your life? Yeah, so I never really felt hopeless. Uh, I'm a, like a, an optimist just by nature, you know. So it wasn't necessarily hopelessness. It's, it's like, what is the next chapter going to look like? Mm-hmm. And that confusion as to, okay, who, who am I now? Um, I play receiver. So in losing a hand, like something that was foundational to me becoming me, is right. like you, it's part of your identity loss. And it's right. not something that's ever going to come back. So even moving through simple tasks, trying to tie my shoe, trying to button my shirt. Like it's a constant reminder. Um, you're different. If I'm out in public, somebody's going to look at my hand, not even because they know me as a football player, just because I got this prosthetic device on. So it was just dealing with that in general. Um, but I had uh, my chaplain, he said, you got to feel it. You know, and I think a lot of times people try to run from that trauma, run from that pain. And he would ask me, hey, how you doing? And I'd be like, yeah, you know, I'm straight. I'm good. And he was like, no, 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 like, how you really doing? And once I, like, actually felt the full weight of it, that's when I started to understand, all right, I got a lot of work to do. But once I come up out of here, I'm going to be all right. Um, and it's was the, that when you were going through rehab? That's everything. Like, oh. that's, you know, uh, okay. uh, that's on the meds, that's off the meds, that's, uh, right. that's everything. Like, the, the full weight of what's going on. Just because you, like, when you come out of surgery, you're, you're heavily medicated just because you, you got nerve damage, you're dealing with pain. And then when mm-hmm. you come off of that, that's a whole nother issue because now you're dealing with pain, but you still haven't addressed like the traumatic side of it. You mm-hmm. just address like the physical healing side, not the emotional state, all of that stuff. 
Right. He wasn't talking about feeling the physical pain. He knew I was dealing with that. He was talking about dealing like the, with the weight of what was actually going on. Sure. Um, and once I dealt with that, I started to just gain clarity. And my family tends to live long. Uh, my great grandma died at 97. My accident happened when I was 30. So I'm like, if I got another 67 years, you know, I have work to do. You know, mm-hmm. I can't be lingering in this state of, you know, trying to fake act like I'm okay. Like I got to get to where I am because if it goes south again, I want to make sure I've done everything I need to do. You know, what Muhammad is talking about is just, um, you know, making a choice, you know, every day to think from a certain perspective. Um, like as he said, you know, at first you have that physical rehabilitation that you have to go through, but then it becomes about the mental and the emotional. You know, you really have to make a, an active choice daily um, when you're dealing with something that is traumatic or life altering or life changing for you. And just choosing to, you know, to affirm positivity in your life for that day, you know, not trying to take on the entire healing process all at once, but just understanding that, you know, focus on what you can do for the day, right? And and put forth, you know, positive energy towards, you know, doing your best to achieving that for that day and being okay with how you were able to kind of process and, and make it through that day. And as you kind of see, the days will start to add up and you'll be able to look back and see how far you've grown by just taking it, you know, a day at a time or basically at your own pace, so. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, did you go to therapy? Yeah, for sure. I'm still in therapy. I'm being therapy for life. Just okay. There you go, man. Good I look deal. at it. Can you talk to us about therapy and what that process has been like for you? You know, it has a big stigma to it. I mean, you really don't know what you're walking into. You walk into, you know, somebody's office that you don't know, um, and you're supposed to tell them about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I was like, I'm here, so I'm just going to give it to you. And if you can't receive it, then I'll go find somebody else. And I was blessed that, you know, the, the therapist that I have was able to, like, really navigate and being open, being vulnerable, being transparent almost like you would a strength coach to say, Hey, I'm in shape. I'm out of shape. These are my fitness goals. I'm just going to give it to you. And I'm assigning you the task. I'm getting me to where I need to be. And so I approached it almost like that to say, Hey, I'm going to give you all my junk. I don't want none of it back. And, you know, let's start the road to recover. And so, you know, I try to go as much as my schedule allows just to have tune-ups. Like we're done with the hard stuff. Now we, you know, addressed all of that. But just to make sure that I'm staying in a place that I need to be functioning at my peak capacity. Vaughn, you want to elaborate a little bit on the tune-ups and how important it is for people to stick with it? Because I, for one, was one of those folks that didn't stick with therapy like I should have. And I realized Mm -hmm. that, you know, I need those (laughs) tune-ups, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like um, for those of us that wore braces back when we were kids or what have you, you know, you go through the process of wearing braces and then when you take them off, it feels like such a, a, a completion for other process, right? But then you get that retainer and they tell you, you know, wear this retainer, you know, when you go to sleep or, you know, if you're not eating. And that's kind of like your tune-up. It's like a little bit of a check-in. It, it kind of um, it, it readjusts or resets your teeth and keeps them from going back to their previous place. And so uh, it's very important, you know, wellness checks, you know, even outside of just your regular therapy sessions and your regular routine, just doing some check-ins, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, you know, every week, every other week, I think it's very important. Um, it's, it's no different than, you know, servicing your car. Um, you know, if you continuously put some some good investment into it, it's going to last. It's going to perform in the way that it's supposed to. So 
Uh, you can use a lot of different analogies, you know, to really understand the importance of doing those check-ins, but it helps you to be able to get rid of a lot of toxic energy that may kind of come about in the moment, helps you to kind of process some, maybe some challenges that may present themselves somewhere in the past. It may have taken you down a deep, dark path because you have not been able to figure some things out or even be successful. So just having like an outside ear, an arbitrary ear, non-judgmental person, you know, that's in your corner that you know has your best interest at heart and can really kind of hear you out on some things. It's very, very helpful. Um, I, I have two therapists, you know, and I proudly tell people that I go to therapy uh, very often. Um, and then also I have um, one of them I go to on a continual basis and then the other I go to just when I need some solution focus or some person-centered um, counseling, then I, I go to my second therapist. So check-ins, uh, tune-ups, very, very important for us all. I love it, I love it. Bree, did you wanna ask Muhammad another question? Yeah, um, I did. I wanted to know, like, um, I know a lot of times when you're going through kind of self-healing, if you will, um, it can be kind of a lonely process. Did you feel any of that as you were going through um, rehabilitation, not only physically, but emotionally and mentally? Physically, yeah, because I, I mean, I, I don't know many amputees, so it's hard to be able to, you know, you can have empathy to a certain extent, but you don't really know what it, what it feels like. So um, I wasn't as receptive to, to certain advice or um, people's intent to like help just because I was like, I, I know you're trying to help, but you don't, you don't really get it. Yeah. Um, but then to another extent, it's just, just having good energy around you is important like even when somebody doesn't have the right words or they don't know what to do just having somebody that's, that's just there that's just present and normal um the, the last thing that you want is somebody that to, to act different or have pity or try to do anything that makes you feel uncomfortable like while i'm healing i need some state of normalcy so mm -hmm. that I, I can continue to to strive to become what i'm supposed to become um and so it, it's Everybody handles it different. It's just I would find the energy that was good for me and then, you know, try to stay around that. And then the energy that I didn't really feel was helpful at the time uh, to kind of move away from it a little bit to get to where I needed to be. Mm -hmm. Where did you... Sorry. Do you feel like the um, standing those energies was a big part of the healing process or like the key to it for you? Still to this day. Like I, um, one of the things I'm intentional about where I spend my time now um, like there's certain things that are non-negotiable that I, I just don't do. Um, I was actually having this conversation with the Kio. Uh, like there's prior to you, like you fill your calendar up with meetings and you're around stuff and you're like, you're just doing stuff. And now like it's, if I, if I don't feel like that's what I'm supposed to be doing for my personal sake, I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I'm constantly putting myself around as much as possible, the type of energy that I want to be in. Um, so back then it, it probably taught me about that now, um, to, to continue to be in places that I'm just going to feed my spirit and, and stay in a place that I, I want to be. Mm -hmm. So speaking of like energy and feeding your spirit, where did you really draw like your strength and motivation from, you know, was it from, you know, a combination of faith and family and close friends or just your ancestors and like you mentioned and what they had gone through, like, where did you find your strength? Obviously faith, you know, you, you, you question, you, you go through every range of emotion. Why, why me, you know, like 
like what what's the what's God trying to do here? But then you realize that it's not like we don't understand like how big, how powerful God is. So it's like you just fatigue yourself in trying to address mm-hmm. that right there. And you it, yeah. now I'm starting to understand how some of this stuff is connected and like where I am in life, where I'm going in life. So it's starting to make more sense now. Um, but you, you just lean on people to have your best interests. You know, my wife, my my family, my parents, you know, my friends that, you know, they, they are speaking life into you. That um, caring about you, that they're loving on you, that they're checking on you. Uh, you know, when somebody asks how you doing, and they just kind of asking out of formalities, you can feel that versus somebody asking how you doing, and they're not gonna move until like you actually give them a real answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that type of just good energy where people want you to heal and they want you to get back to where you are and exceed where you think you could go. Um, so that mm-hmm. that that type of energy. Absolutely. Vaughn, I have a question for you, you know, speaking about family and so forth and, you know, whether someone has been through um, something that's extremely traumatic, um, like Muhammad went through, or just, you know, trauma and different things, how important is family and connectivity during times of adversity? um, And why is it so important for people when they're going through adverse scenarios, uh, not to isolate themselves? You know, so Muhammad actually said something that was really important, um, the power of positive energy, you know, from your family members and those that are around you that really have your best interests at heart. So uh, for some, family could be everything, right? Having that, that support system around you, that structure that really can, um, you know, can kind of keep you enthused, keep you motivated, keep mm-hmm. your mind in a positive place. Uh, for some individuals, we, we may not have the best of family, and there could be some, some family members that may not necessarily be helpful for us. So even during this time, there are some people that are sheltered in place with family members that uh, could be abusive, right? Um, family members that could, uh, you know, cause some level of harm or even neglect towards them. So uh, family uh, sometimes can be a little bit of a roll of dice depending on the person, but just in a general sense of having people around you that are going to have your best interests at heart, that are going to be positive um, for you is very important, uh, especially just in keeping you from isolating yourself. Isolation, what that does is it gives you a lot of idle time, right? To be able to kind of think about a lot of negative thoughts, maybe even some self-defeating thoughts. So, um, you know, having people around you that can kind of keep your mind preoccupied, you know, in a positive state, and really kind of encouraging you to stay focused on your goals and to see things from a positive perspective. Um, isolation is, is natural for us as human beings to want to be connected and to interact with one another. And so mm-hmm. isolation uh, typically is a reflection of you intentionally pushing other people away uh, for a number of reasons. So if you find yourself in a position where you are, you know, not even uh, having any, a level of passion or interest in the things that you typically you know, are interested in, um, you know, that's when you really have to kind of be mindful of that and maybe kind of reaching out to some of your loved ones or your family and your friends and really kind of letting them know that you do need some support during this time. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All great advice. I wanted to ask about um, self-care. How important has self-care been to you? And what does self-care look like for you? All of the above in terms of nutrition, in terms of fitness, in terms of further educating myself, in terms of being in a career that's fulfilling, in terms of uh, having quiet time for, for myself, in terms of like being around family. It's really holistically. You, you know, um, like I feel better when I eat clean. I feel better when I have time to work out and, you know, um, burn off sweat and, you know, be around the gym. I'm an athlete, so, you know, I, I like being in shape. Uh, 
being around my family. I, I love that. Um, I'm also highly motivated, highly driven. So from a career standpoint, in shifting to something that is, is more fulfilling, something that gives me passion, purpose that doesn't necessarily even feel like work. So all, all of those things, like I went through a, a period where I really just evaluated everything as much as I was conscious of to try to start to you know move towards where I ultimately wanted to be. And, mm-hmm. and in doing that, you know, having structure, having discipline to, to, to get there and now continuing to just um, maintain it and, and enhance it as, as much as, as possible. So I don't think it's like one thing singular. I think it's just a combination of all those things that, that builds this holistic wellness picture. It's almost like a pie, you know, like you need every aspect of the pie when it's, when it's coming out. You don't want a slice of your pie missing when the timer go off. <laughs> like the, 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 the whole thing is, is important to me. I, I try to maintain it. I'm, I'm more conscious of it because I know how good it feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's interesting when I, you know, everything I've gone through from an emotional health and wellness perspective, the last 10 years, like I realized like my peace means more than anything. And so everything care, like I, I need that peace in my life. Um, my good friend, who's a life coach, Sherry Riley coined this new phrase, peace is the new success. And, you know, it really is right. We all want money. We want to be able to take care of our families and, and have great careers. But at the end of the day, Peace is everything. I mean, and to your point, Muhammad, about you just, you won't go certain places or certain things you just won't do. And I'm at that point in my life too. And, you know, I learned that no is a complete sentence. Like I'm okay with saying no, like I can't be everything to everybody. Um, of course, being an entrepreneur and then running a small foundation, it's a lot that I have to do on my own to make things happen. But at some point you got to know when to turn it off. And you got to know to go outside and take a walk or to breathe and do the 448 technique or to just take a bubble bath and, and do something for you. Like whatever, go fishing, like whatever it is for you, you got to learn to incorporate self-care and wellness into your day. I mean, Vaughn, I'm sure you agree as a clinician 100%, right? You know, I, I, <laughs> if you all knew my self-care routine on a daily basis, just to be able to prepare my mind, you know, for the different challenges I have throughout the day. Um, you know, I'm waking up at five in the morning every morning just so I can have at least an hour to myself to kind of process my thoughts and do some things that kind of get me into my flow. Um, try to read a little bit of the paper, uh, make sure I'm eating well, and then I jump into the emails and the phone calls. Um, what I did notice was that when I would try to sleep in, and then wake up and rush into my day, I'd be very agitated, irritated, and that was just not the energy that I was trying to exude to other people. And so taking, you know, knowing yourself, knowing what works best for you, um, what works best for me is being able to have some time at the beginning of my day and at the end of the day, um, so I can start it on my terms and end it on my terms. Um, and then that way I have, you know, the complete autonomy if I want to go walking the trails or if I want to go, you know, climb the mountain or things like that to really kind of bring, you know, peace and joy to me. I have complete freedom and flexibility to do that because I built that into my day. So um, self-awareness is the first step of doing that. And then once you know what works best for you, you have to take control of, of your life and your daily schedule and create time to invest into yourself. I agree. And I, I'll pose this to any of you all. Like, I know somebody's listening going, all right, excuse my language. That shit sounds great. But we mm-hmm. in a pandemic. I lost my job. They telling me to go back to work, but I'm scared to go back to work. 
my sleep schedule is off. You know, I want to wake up at seven o'clock, but I'm staying up late because I can't process things. Like, first of all, you know, do you guys just have individual tips that you've been doing just to share? Because we are talking about coping in a new normal. Like, you know, what else can we offer in terms of advice for people that really are just struggling and, and can't get on any kind of schedule? Um, because certainly this has been proven to be a traumatic experience for a lot of people and a lot of people are losing loved ones and friends, you know, scrolling through yeah. Facebook for me, cause at my age, you know, and, and it's younger people dying too, but it's like reading the obituaries of a newspaper. I'm like, if one more person passes, you know, in my circle of friends and I mean, extended friends through Facebook, it's, it's, it's just a lot to see in the process. So like, what can we do? How do you cope? This gonna sound. I don't know if this is positive or negative or what, but there's so much negative that's in the world. Like you can always find it. Like you open Instagram, Twitter. Like there's people that you don't even know that you feel impacted by their passing. You're like, mm-hmm. man, I'm I'm down and out for a week, and I don't even know this person. I'm not even connected to them. And so a lot of times, I don't. I try to ask people like, don't share negative information with me unless it's something that like it's personal and it's it is bad but it's like you receive like all this negative stuff both in atlanta in the u.s across the world going on negative state. overload right this is negative overload and you like man, i'm i'm not even like really attached to these things and you don't have the energy to process something when something negative actually happens to you or when it, like something that you care about because you or you become so desensitized to it so like I'm constantly deleting social media apps because I'm like, man, I don't even want this. Mm. I don't even want to be around this right now. Or if somebody mm. starts a conversation about, man, you won't believe da 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 da. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't even care about it. Not that I don't, I don't care. Like, I, I don't wish any bad, but I, I just don't want to have that as something else that I'm thinking about that I can't do anything for. I'm not there to influence. Like I'm never going to really be intimately involved in a situation. So I try to stay away from things that. I know it's going to drag my spirit down. I don't hear about no gossip. I don't hear about no drama. I don't hear about no nothing that is not like directly around um, what's going on. So that when it's time to get involved with something that I'm actually passionate about, mm-hmm. I can get my all to it versus being spread a thousand different ways. Fawn, what would you I, say to that? You know, I think, uh, you know, to add to that, another way of protecting your peace is, is managing your expectations. Of, of yourself right you know this this whole thing of working from home and and teaching your kids from home and and just being locked inside of this you know your home your your four walls um we have an expectation that we can just go from our normal lives and go to this whole virtual space and everything just continue to flow and and, and be clicking on all cylinders and to be honest with you a lot of folks including myself you know we we struggle with that you know for the first couple of weeks and and some of us still are you know, not, not buying all the way in. Um, and so even as we slowly but surely start to, to ease the restrictions and, you know, within the next month or two, we get back to our normal lives, we have to kind of manage our expectations of what we can do kind of going out the gates, right? It's almost like everyone is at the, the starting line and, and as soon as mm-hmm. the gun is fired, we're supposed to race back to, you know, our, our normal regular lives. But for some of us, it, you know, transition can, can take some time. It may need to be a lot more gradual than others. So manage your expectations, you know, don't get so down on yourself if you are, um, if you are not doing what it seems and appears that everyone else is doing, there was a, there was a meme that was going around Instagram that said, uh, if you come out of this pandemic, if you come out of this time without a new skill or a new hustle, then 
it it wasn't you know it's something about you you know that you know you lack the motivation or something along those lines and then someone kind of corrected and said not really you know it's okay to not be okay it's okay to not come out of this you know with a, a brand new business idea it's okay for this to actually have been a tough time for you so i think just kind of just managing the expectations of self and just recognizing what works best for you um, having a good solid plan so that when we do kind of get back out into the space, you know, we're not just, you know, kind of getting things together. You do want to, you know, at least have a, a good vision for yourself. So that would be, you know, some some uh, recommendations I would have also to kind of maintain your peace during this time. Three. Um, kind of to piggyback off of Vaughn, like, I agree with the having a vision for yourself. I think for me, what I've been able to kind of do um, at different moments in this time, because it's kind of been a roller coaster of experiences um is maintaining what i want after this and realigning with all of the things that i wanted um and not only just realigning with the things that i wanted but kind of um creating a bit of a roadmap a, a strategy for those things or at least looking at it from a different perspective of um hopefulness uh i'll say like muhammad earlier i'm a person of faith so i don't really tend to just feel hopeless um I at least think that I know that there's another side of this. There's another level of this. There's a, another normal side of this, or this is a temporary normal, I believe. Um, so for me, in order to have some type of routine, have something to look for, you have to create something to actually look for. And you have to kind of create a, a vision of things that feel prosperous to you on the other end, I think, are things that you really want to do and know that those things are still achievable and, and take this time to keep yourself in that mindset of like, um, I like to create things that feel hopeful for me. So like, you know, oh man, I can't wait till I'm doing this or like, oh, I, this is how I'm going to do it. And when you kind of have a strategy, it kind of makes you feel a little pumped up to, to kind of go after it. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, last thing I want to ask you about, Muhammad, is um, did you write that article that you sent to me? I okay. did. I started writing one. You didn't or you did? I did. I did. I think that was the second one I did. So, so, so I'm going to share it. Um, I, I should have shared it with, with, with Free and Vaughn earlier, um, but it's a really great article. So first of all, kudos to you. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about it? The title of the article is Mental Change, Who Helps the Leader? Yeah. And I love that. And at the end of it, you know, you said your mental health will be tested during uncertain times. Do not neglect it. And I just thought it was just so appropriate, you know, for what we're talking about and everything that we try to do within Silence of Shame. So can you just give our listeners a little bit of information about the article? And we're going to publish it um, on Silence of Shame's Facebook page and then tell people how they can find it as well from your platform. Yeah, I think, um, you know, as I talk to more people, <clears throat> I think people think that certain people are immune to, to dealing with certain challenges. Mm -hmm. Like if you're the boss or, you know, you're the parent or you're the, the leader of wherever you are, that mm -hmm. you're supposed to have all the answers. Mm -hmm. And so these people are constantly, you know, pumping out solutions for everybody else, but, they don't have anything like they, they they're drained and they're not solving their own issues and problems. And so they're, they're going around with all this weight and then you see, Oh, so-and-so committed suicide or so-and-so strung out on drugs, so-and-so doing whatever. And they, they can hide behind talent. They can hide behind a smile. They can hide behind being productive and nobody's ever asking them how they really feel. So you have to take it upon yourself to really like seek the help and, 
for me, like in, uh, I'm a big observer of just like how people function naturally. And a lot of people are giving you solutions, just whether it's on social media or interviews or just how they live their life. And you don't have to know them, but you can learn from, oh, so-and-so was dealing with depression and they cope with it by taking walks. So-and-so was, you know, on the brink of whatever and they found a life coach or a counselor. And so you can copy those moves and, and add them into your own toolkit. But right. then sometimes you have to go deeper and you have to get professional help. So I think it's very wise for people to go get a counselor, a therapist, or whatever you want to title it, somebody that's professionally trained to help, you know, uproot some of the stuff that's been in you for forever that you don't even know about and the current challenges that you're going through. And the last part of that was just having accountability people. And a lot of times you have people that go in groups, but the group dynamics are all different. Like you may know one person more than others. So you really don't talk freely or you shy away, but to have somebody that you just go to and say, man, this is what it is. Like I'm struggling, I'm hurting. And they will accept it. They will keep it. They'll protect it. And they're going to help you get to where you need to get to. But you also had a responsibility to do that for them too. So that when they're going through something that, you know, you can help them get to wherever they need to get to. And just the, the, the combination of all that, I don't think there's, you know, one solution that is better than the other, but there's a lot of things that can be done to continue on this journey, not only to help yourself, but to help people that you, you care about. Um, because that's the last thing that you want is the person that is responsible for so many people to either tap out or not be able to, you know, carry the full weight of their responsibility as a leader. Um, Absolutely. And I tell people all the time, I feel like my pastor introduced me to the, um, this notion of a wounded healer. Uh And I feel like I'm constantly, you know, trying to pour into others, you know, and lead this organization and lead this charge of, you know, self-care and mental wellness. And, and I got to remind myself, right, to take the necessary steps that I need before I can lead anybody else. I got to lead myself um, and and take care of my own emotional health and wellness. So been down that road, no doubt. So any, any parting words, Vaughn, and, and we'll end on you, Muhammad. But uh, <laughs> Vaughn, you got anything to say to everybody as we're coping with this new normal? You know, I take it a day at a time. You know, it's, it is impossible to just run towards a mountain and push it and move it, you know, right then and there. You know, but if you chip away at it slowly but surely, bit by bit, one piece at a time, you know, we'll definitely be able to move this mountain together, you know, so... Uh, maintain your peace. I think that's the biggest message, you know, that I take away from this conversation, you know, do whatever to protect your peace and maintain it. Um, You know, uh, make sure that you kind of keep your expectations in check, you know, and we will get through this together. What about telehealth services? If people are looking to seek therapy right now while they still can't really go out, yeah, absolutely. So I want to say uh, pretty much every therapist, you know, that I know that I've worked with and I've come in contact with, they all are providing telehealth services. Um, no different than you wanting to get a regular counseling session. You would reach out to them um, via the website, uh, maybe their social media, by phone, by email, and they'll be able to give you all the instructions of downloading the particular platform that they are using. Um, a lot of insurance companies are covering uh, almost, if not all, of the cost of therapy right now. Uh, it's one oh, of that's great. Their insurance companies. So there are a lot of initiatives what right now to ensure that. And what? <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna say there are a lot of initiatives right now that are you know have support for those that don't even have insurance. So okay. I would just uh, for those that really want to pursue therapy, uh, you know, continue to just reach out to folks. You know, reach out, reach out, reach out. 
uh, have people, you know, that are in your family, you know, have them kind of doing some research as well and just make sure you're finding an appropriate person uh, for those that don't have the, the insurance. You know, you can do a lot of research online and find an appropriate uh, mental health practitioner, especially during these times. A lot of us are willing to do at least a session for free consultation, things along those lines. We can actually help direct you in the right, uh, in the right path. No doubt. And, and Silence is Shame, you guys can visit our website at silenceofshame.com. We actually just relaunched it, so it looks a lot cleaner, more information on there for you guys. Um, we're going to be producing more content. We just finished a webinar last week on navigating grief and loss in the pandemic and also um, just managing your mental health while working from home. Those will be up shortly on our Silence of Shame YouTube page. Um, also, the month of May is coming up, which is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we know what May 5th is. No, it ain't Cinco de Mayo. No, I'm just kidding. It is Cinco de Mayo, but it is also National Silence of Shame Day. So Silence we, of Shame Day. Yes, we got a lot of exciting stuff going on. Um, in addition to obviously normalizing the conversation and raising the awareness of mental health, we're going to be fundraising for our organization. So Jermaine Dupree will be doing a virtual DJ set for us and DJ Trauma, a lot of other DJs, and we're going to be interviewing celebrities. Um, so I started this series, if you're not familiar, on my Instagram page called the Yale Wellness Check-In. Vaughn, you mentioned wellness check-in. So I started uh -huh. checking in with celebrities and athletes. And we're going to shift that series over to the Silence of Shame Instagram platform the first week of May. So look out for that. Um, and we just have a lot of exciting things coming down on the pipeline. Um, it's going to be a good year and hopefully we will continue to knock down these barriers and help erase stigma um, in the community at large, globally, and, and especially in communities of color. So y'all just, you know, stay tuned. Thank you for everybody that's been rocking out with us. Um, thank you for your patience for allowing us to come back with our podcast, but, you know, we're going to be up and running now. And special thanks and shout out to our community partner, the NFL Players Association, um, which makes it possible for us to do our self-care Saturday events. We're now doing them virtually as well as to do this podcast. So uh, we were excited to relaunch the podcast with the former NFL player. So, you know, thank you, Muhammad, again for being on. You got any parting words, Muhammad? And then free, we're gonna end with you, a wise one, as you give us any final words and tell everybody how they can tune in to this podcast. Um, I would just say take the first step, and that's. I think sometimes we try to have a complete picture of how stuff's going to end up or, you know, we got to be ready. We got to have everything in order and just take the first step mm -hmm. and in doing so you're going to learn how to move on the journey. Like you, you, the, the journey, you're going to meet people, you're going to get smarter, you're going to learn new things. And what's crazy, like I um, completely off subject, but I'm a fan of little baby. And mm -hmm. to hear that this, this, 25 year old has been doing what he's been doing for three years you know removed from you know the situation that he was in and now like just to see him just take off and when they ask him like he was not doing what he was doing prior to rapping and just to see like one thing became another thing became another thing and he got better and he's moving and he's moving and he's moving and if you look at anything in hip-hop really like or athletics that's how everything has always worked. You take that first step and you get a little bit better, you get a little bit better, but it's committing to whatever that thing is and you, you start to figure it out on the fly. 
So whether that's your mental health, whether that's professional, whether that's whatever, to take that first step and just know that if you are locked in to the thing that you're supposed to be doing, not for like selfish motivation or ulterior reasons or anything like that, but like mm-hmm. it's truly the thing that you think you're on this earth for, it's all going to come together in due time and just keep moving. That's right. I am so grateful to have connected with you. You're such a beautiful spirit. Um, so we look forward to doing more work with you. Oh, y'all good people. So I, I love it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Free the vision. Um, yeah, man. I mean, everything that both of my brothers here have said is all great stuff. And I agree with all of those things. I mean, for the first half of this quarantine, it was a little difficult for me um, in complete transparency, just because of the fact that I was in such a good stride before, you know, with this year coming and had a lot of different things, you know, in great motion. So, you know, I was looking forward to a lot of things and then everything kind of came to a halt and then you don't know what's happening. Um, on the other end of this economically, not, not for me personally, but like even for all of the people that, or entities that I would do business with. So that little process was a little bit diff, um, difficult for me. But then I also saw something, shout out to Charlemagne on his page where he was talking with Deepak, um, Deepak mm-hmm. and it was about leaning into the uncertainty. And that's something that I think that I had always had and this might have been a reminder of that for me, um, is that, like, everything is uncertain. There's nothing that's guaranteed to you. So, like, as long as we can kind of, like, know that every day, not just from a pandemic standpoint, the pandemic is, like, on a global perspective to show you that, like, it's not only uncertain for you, but it can be uncertain for everybody at once. But the... The good of that is that, like, there's so many possibilities. They always can, there can always be a good one, you know, in the mix. You don't have to anticipate something negative. Um, so it's just a rewiring of my mind, and I'm very grateful for this time. I'm glad that we've been able to kind of do this, too, um, and know that everything's, like, just kind of constantly evolving, I would say. Um, and, and we can kind of, like, just evolve with it. So that's kind of how I'm feeling. Um the podcast you said how do they find us uh we are on google play we are on apple podcast as well um they just search silence to shame um and we can get up on spotify hopefully soon like let's kind of talk about that too um but all that being said we also have uh, just a lot of different content out there on our silence to shame um social medias as well soundcloud we're on SoundCloud. Yeah, we are on SoundCloud as well. That's right. And um, like, if make sure you rate, subscribe, um, comment, and share our podcast as well. Um, it helps us with not only just the numbers, but it just helps get the message out there, which is the whole purpose of why we're doing this. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. I am Shanti Das, your host. You can find me um, at Silence to Shame, as I mentioned, or at Shanti Das 404. Um, make sure you guys are staying healthy and safe, that you're social distancing, but that you're connecting virtually, right? Because you can social distance, but that doesn't mean that you're not connecting with other people. Connectivity is essential to the soul. We came into this world connected. 
um, in the womb of our mothers. And so I think it was intended for us to stay connected as, as human beings. So let's not lose that connectivity. Um, and let's check on each other. Let's be there for one another. Let's be smart about how we go about cities and states as they start to reopen um, and, and, and take care of your mental health and wellness. And, and we'll see you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 34, Coping with Our New Normal. Good night.